broadcasting rent-free from the top of your head. You're listening to the Brain Slug Podcast. Like Steve Trevor in his airplane falling into the sea, we are just diving in because we're talking about the DC EU. Is that what they call it? That's probably not it anymore, but... Probably not it anymore. Okay. That's what I like still calling it. (sighs) One of us here is the expert, and it's not me, so... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I've always been a DC kid. Specifically a Batman kid. Yeah. So this week, um, as kind of the lead up to Wonder Woman 1984, um, I took the plunge into the DCEU, which is what I'm going to call it right now, and actually caught up on mm, some most some of the movies. <laughs> uh, just so no we can one, record no this one, episode. No one needs to watch Suicide Squad. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I did not watch Suicide Squad, and I honestly can say that I have extremely little interest in watching that movie. I do plan on watching Birds of Prey now that I've splashed out the money for HBO Max. So <laughs> that is on my list. It just did not get done before this podcast because I only have so much time and the holidays are coming and shit's crazy. So <laughs> Birds of Prey is fantastic. I a lot of people were underwhelmed by it for one reason or another. I thought it was fantastic. I I had a great time in the theater watching it. It's so, so, so funny. <laughs> I'm looking forward to watching it. The reviews were great. It looked great. It's another, you know, I don't want to say girl power because I feel like that kind of downplays it. But, you know, I'm I'm looking forward to it. Well, let's let's go back to the let's go back to the beginning. Let's go back to 2013. <laughs> Okay, I was pregnant with twins, so nothing happened that year. <laughs> wow. I was watching Man of Steel while you were prego with your twins. Yeah, depending on when it came out, it might have been in labor with my twins. No. <laughs> well, Actually, I, mean, I could, I could, I could look that up. Now that I want to look that up, yeah. <laughs> I, saw, I saw an early screening. I remember that. Yeah. Uh, Okay, so it came out in 2000. See, I didn't even know when it came out. Um, So, you know, news you can use. (laughs) Or not. (laughs) I appreciate that movie now more than I did when it first came out. It is still very, very wonky. A lot of these movies are very, very wonky. But Man of Steel, I feel, has a little more effort put into it as far as building a character instead of building... A theme, just for the sake of having a theme, mm-hmm. which is what I think is the issue with Batman versus Superman. Man mm. of Steel, I think, was a better balance between building a character instead of building a theme, just for the sake of having a theme. If that makes sense. Yeah, I was actually surprised at how much I liked Man of Steel and watching Man of Steel and Batman versus Superman. Not exactly back to back, but kind of close to back to back um how much things i liked in superman did not translate well in batman versus superman um like what well well specifically snyder's at least the storytelling that he does in superman and batman versus superman i'm just gonna call b versus s that's gosh it's a mouthful um anyway in those two stories bvs he he likes to to I don't I'm sure there's a narrative term for this and you would think that being a big reader I would know what that was but I don't because I didn't study English um or film so he likes to kind of like jump around and you kind of get kind you he likes to plant you in the middle of the action so you don't really get the lead up but you're like you're bam you're there like there's you know he just kind of slots you right in. And non-linear storytelling? Well, I mean, there was that in I think maybe in both of them. Um, and it's not necessarily the non-linearity of it. Um, because I didn't mind that in Man of Steel. I like how, you know, aside from the beginning at Krypton in Man of Steel, we got, 
you know, it it then became like it was old man of Clark, not old, but you know, grown up. Sorry, <laughs> mature. <laughs> you, you like how you you like how certain challenges he's facing as he's a drifter can be tied back to an experience back in his past, and we yes, see that, and how after, that's like interspersed yeah. by flashbacks as opposed to being like this. Oh, you know, the kind of the typical like the Smallville. So I was a big like I watched Smallville back in the day because. I was in my day <laughs> that was on TV, you know, <laughs> I was old enough to watch that when it premiered. Um, so, <laughs> so hey, but, you're you not know, that old either. Okay. I was around too. <laughs> so, you know, that was kind of the more typical, like, Oh, they find him as a baby and he grows up and you kind of get this more linear storyline. And then in man of steel, Snyder doesn't do that. It's the non-linear, like you jump back and forth. I liked that twist on the kind of typical quote unquote um superhero take because often you see like the same origin story over and over and over again. Like this comes up a lot with the Spider-Man movies that you see the origin and Uncle Ben died, and it was like a running joke, right? That <laughs> this, you know, it's the same thing over and over. So I liked in Man of Steel that it wasn't like that, but well, I don't know. It was still the same origin story. Just well, yes, it's the same origin story, but told, I guess, in that non-linear fashion, right? Which made it more interesting than just a same the same old origin story told in a linear fashion. Let me ask you real quick, then. You like you like the non-linear fashion that his origin was told in the movie? Yes, I dig that. How do you feel about? The flashback intro to BBS, and we see the <laughs> Waynes get shot again. Yeah. Okay, so that, yeah. <laughs> so then we get to BBS, and I hated it. I mean, I think I, <laughs> and maybe this is just because of, like, the pop culture osmosis that I've talked about. Like, I've just been on the internet too long, and even though I haven't seen these movies, there's a lot yeah. of the, the osmosis that I've absorbed from just being on the internet and seeing, I, re- I remember you, sa- you you messaged me saying I'm about to watch Ben versus Superman. I'm like, oh, cool! And literally, like <laughs> right after, I already hate this. I'm already mad. I'm like, oh god, this is secondhand emotion from years of just being in the Zach guys of the reputation of this film. <laughs> so I okay. And to be fair, I have to say that reaction that was a little reactionary on my part. Um. I think I can't, um, I now, God, that was like two days ago, but I can't remember what I was referring to. <laughs> um, I think that was when I, but I hate, yes. So I liked the non-linearity <laughs> in Man of Steel, but I don't know if it's just due to the pop cultural osmosis, but the flashback in BVS was like, oh my God, this again. And I think part of it might just be due to like outside influences. Like I can't, I can't see that scene now without thinking about what I read about it, but the the extreme slow-mo in that scene. And maybe if they hadn't done that, it would have been a little bit better, but oh my God, the slow-mo. Was just killing it for me. I was like, "Why?" <laughs> yeah, I'm not Zack Snyder's biggest fan, but I, I'm gonna just chalk that up to osmosis. <laughs> so, um, but it also throughout that movie in general, like I, I once we got past the flashback scene, which was not terrible. I was kind of like, "What is this weird like bat hallucination?" But I actually. I I've reconciled myself. I like that part. That part was not, it was like the slow-mo like shooting of his mother in Martha. <laughs> I just, <laughs> uh, <laughs> sorry, internet. You've just ruined the first five minutes of <laughs> that movie. I don't know if I'll ever get over it. Maybe stop maybe reading stuff here. about movies. You haven't seen lady. <laughs> That's all you got to do. Good Lord. <laughs> not even like, articles adrian it's like people's opinions but um i liked i did like the beginning aside from the flashback i did like the beginning in bbs that we've actually got batman in metropolis although i have to say and maybe i'm just an idiot and i didn't pay attention enough i did not realize that in this particular movie universe metropolis and gotham are literally like across a river from each other you had to point that out to me i was like how the hell 
<laughs> are they just like <laughs> zip zip zip? <laughs> I mean, traditionally, it's been that way in the comics and most of the oh, cartoons. Well. <laughs> okay. I mean, ba- Batman and Superman get coffee often, <laughs> but Go- Gotham and Metropolis have been constant. Like, so that that, that is like the most, uh, yeah, because they're because they're both based off of New York. They're both based off of New York. Metropolis being the idealized version of New York and Gotham being, you know, the CD underbelly right, that well, everyone wants to ignore. Well, yeah, but Superman's like super fast and he flies and Batman has the bat jet or bat whatever. So, you know, like there are ways around that. Okay, well, or I'm just an <laughs> idiot. I never actually realized. No one has ever shown me the a map that's like the geography of the DC universe. But I liked how, you know, we kind of, aside from that first flashback scene, you know, then we just kind of bounce right in on Bruce, you know, seeing the fight in... Um, the fight against Zod in Metropolis happen, and you know that that kind of frames how he is approaching the whole Superman thing. But there's still a lot of jumping around in the movie that kind of in that particular movie that was a little bit like, oh, just could you just do it straight, dude? Quit hopping around. I don't know. Maybe I was just a little prejudiced going in. I could admit that I might just have been a little prejudiced going in. But I didn't hate it. My biggest gripe with Man of Steel, I mean, I have a couple, you know, all the characters having no personalities, you know, aside. I and I pointed this out several times. The the violence at the end of the movie, the 9-11 imagery, oh it, it, it's almost a little too fetishy for me. It like fetishized the destruction. Yes. And I honestly I thought that fight went on way too long. Um, it's interesting that you bring up the 9-11 fetish, fetishization blah, because like I did get that in Man of Steel, but it was more apparent to me in BVS. And I was like, See, okay. OK, OK, so that's interesting. So Sorry, sorry, but you just touched on the point. I want to continue. OK, well, I was just and I remember messaging you and I was like. Uh, is this supposed to be like a 9-11, you know, like callback? Because, you know, that's a little little, like, yikes. Um, (laughs) so, so it's interesting. It's interesting that that hit you more hardly in Man of Steel. And I don't know if it's because you brought that up to me that then when I watched, like, I mean, I did get that in Man of Steel, but I think in Man of Steel, I eventually got to the point where I was like, oh my God, when is this fight going to end? because it needed to have ended like 15 minutes ago because it went on for just so long. And at some point I just became kind of immune to the like mass destruction that was happening in Metropolis because it's like how many more buildings can two people break down? Like I can't, I just like, I think I was starting to like zone out (laughs) during that fight. That's exactly, that's exactly the problem with it. The focus is the destruction itself. So you, you look at what's going on with the uh, the terraforming machine. I forgot what it's called in the movie. Um, you see little people flying up to and getting smashed back down, right? And then we got the thing with Jenny and the Daily mm-hmm. Planet. Uh, you know that that's our emotional stake in that destruction. They represent the everyday people that's you know being affected by this. <laughs> that are getting smushed by all these. That are buildings. getting smushed, yeah. right? I'm okay with that. It's everything else, like Superman and Zod just kind of blindly flying through buildings. Superman literally just jumping over a tanker that then blows up behind him instead of just stopping yeah. it with a... It's that stuff that gets me, right? But then well, that same scene in Batman versus Superman, where we see mm-hmm. it from Bruce Wayne's perspective. Again, I have, it's, it's going back to the Daily Planet crew in the first movie, mm-hmm. where we're seeing it from a personal perspective as far as like we're getting a story here right people are trying to yeah. survive this it's not just blind destruction yeah I, I, I that's not fetishized to me that's that's an emotional stake Bruce okay. is trying to get to his people he sees his building fall and he saves yeah. this little girl whose mom worked in that building yeah that's how you, that's how you do it that's you focus on one bit of the destruction or yeah or at least focus on bits of destruction that focus on characters and not just mm-hmm. the blind look at the CG bodies flying flying up and down yeah. Yeah, that's a Michael Bay movie kind of thing Oh my and gosh, it, yes. It might Zack Snyder's like an art house Michael Bay. <laughs> oh my god. I need to like put that on a shirt or something. So <laughs> it's like when Michael Bay does it, you don't take it seriously because you know, oh, that's just Michael Bay being dumb and 
You know, I can dig it. Sure, Optimus Prime goes through a building here. Oh, he went through another building. Oh, look, you know, they're just Transformers fighting. But Zack Snyder, being the art house uh, mentality that he has when he approaches these films, he just adds this inch-thick layer of gravitas on top of everything and self-importance that just takes away from it when it's yeah. that and I Michael think- Bay-ish. Yes, and I think that's actually a good point, is like in BVS, like, yes, I could see the 9-11 imagery very clearly, but because it's from Bruce's perspective, like, you're right, like, it makes sense and it has a much more um, impact, impactful meaning to, or impact, you know, it's much more impactful that way as a viewer to be seeing it from Bruce's point of view, whereas in Man of Steel, like, it's, it's, Clark and Zod, Kal-El Zod, whatever you want to call, you know, but it's like, it's not personal, right? Because yeah, it's just like the Michael Bay, let's smash stuff up and blow out our visual effects budget, you know, and, you know, do all these really crazy cool things that we can do, but it's not very personal. Like that fight doesn't get personal until the very end. Yeah. The when they're next in the train snapping. station or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> the infamous I mean, like, next snap. Yeah. Into the, <laughs> into the next snap. But like, but like, other than that, like, you're right. It becomes this very like in between the, the, the kind of personal perspectives that are not Clark's that we get of the destruction that's happening. The fight is just kind of like a mess of, smush you know concrete dust and glass shards and two cgi bodies flinging themselves all over the place like it's not it's not personal in the way like at through through the lens that we're viewing it as you know it's just kind of like ooh, destruction yay go um i could i could see what they're going for i mean you got these we'll just call them god beings i mean yes yeah, yeah. they're God imagery Lane and Jesus weight. imagery yeah. is really <laughs> heavily layered on here. You know, again, that's that's the whole. <laughs> I could see when you try to imagine what two gods fighting in a city would look like. I'm pretty sure it would look something like that. I think <laughs> had the pacing been better, as in you, you got this. You think the movie's ending when they crash the the scout ship? Yes. Into the, yes. Into okay. the All yeah right. right. You think Thank okay, you. this is this, this movie's ending. The I had the same thought. <laughs> Metropolis is taking a hit, but you know what? Yeah. Our heroes came out on top. Oh, look, he mm-hmm. saved Lois Lane once again. All right. This is Man of Steel. Oh, look, Zod's still alive. Okay. And then we got this uh, this whole new battle after the fact where we're getting yeah. ready to wind down. The pacing there is very, very much a factor in the excess. It's excess. Mm-hmm. It, the, the, the third act of Man of Steel is nothing but excess. <laughs> It's like the opposite of the end of the Lord of the Rings where they're saying goodbye for like 18 times. And you're like, oh, now it's the end of the movie. Oh, nope. Now it's nope. Now <laughs> <laughs> it's like that. But with intense fighting <laughs> at Man of Steel, you're like, oh, it's no, it's not. Oh, no, well, no. Nope, they're, oh, trying, oh. they're trying to say goodbye. Yeah. Technically, in a way. <laughs> That was what came into my sort mind of. a little bit. Uh- <laughs> you know, and it's just frustrating because overall, besides that, you know, even the Smallville fight was a bit excessive. But you know, besides the point. Oh God, yeah, too that, yeah. The uh, there's a, you know, there's a lot of cool religious allegories, a little heavily laid on, but again, <laughs> that's cool to think about. I love the whole. You know, theme of parenthood, you know, especially his relationship with his fathers, you mm-hmm. know, both of them. A lot, yes. There's a lot of cool yeah. character stuff in Man of Steel that they try to still kind of play with that a bit in BBS that just does not. But it, it doesn't really it. And I don't know if that's be kind of because they're going back and forth between Bruce and Clark, but it doesn't really it doesn't work. It doesn't it doesn't work as well. As it did in Man of Steel. Batman versus Superman. I think. Oh, you're going to love this. (laughs) Batman versus Superman suffers from the same ailment or same issue or same. I don't know what you want to call it because I feel like I'm going to be called out. But it suffers from the same issues that the prequels in Star Wars suffered. Where all the control was on one man and. Nobody told him no. You know, what does Lex Luthor say about absolute power? Yeah, corrupts absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And if, you're, and if you're good, you don't have absolute power. Like, I think it was one of those. 
those type of situations. Mm, interesting. Are you ready for the supposed like four hour length <laughs> Batman versus Superman that Snyder's gonna release? <laughs> the new ultimate ultimate. Uh, the new God knows ultimate, what they're gonna ultimate. call this one. So I definitely didn't watch the ultimate um, edition because I watched the on demand version. Now that I have HBO Max, I should probably go back and rewatch it. Like it fleshes things out better. The, the plot is still dumb, but it fleshes it up better. <laughs> But I mean, I think it's one of those things when, like, when you look at the plot, like I was, I, I liked how we talked about, cause I was like, what the hell, like Lex Luthor is in this movie. And I think it's maybe because, so <laughs> we were talking about this and it's like, I, you know, like my worldview of Batman and Superman are the animated series from the nineties. Like I watched Batman, mm-hmm. the animated series, and I watched the animated Superman show. And so like the Lex Luthor and I watched Smallville um, in which he's young. But like my my vision, <laughs> the image that I have in my head of Lex Luthor is, you know, the old the older, distinguished, mature gentleman, you know, kind of mastermind. And I liked whatever you, you like the you like the politician Lex Luthor. I like I like the politician Lex Luthor. And this was like you. This was like the Elon Musk Lex Luthor. <laughs> I think you said that to me, <laughs> or crazy, but you know whatever you said. When yeah, no, I said I said Elon Musk. So when this first came out, I was really <laughs> thrown through a loop for the same reason because I grew up with the same cartoons and with Justice League on top of that, and mm-hmm. the, the the politician Lex Luthor is like the most prevalent version that most people think of when they think of them. So yeah, it was, you know, right down to the casting, but when the casting was announced, people were like, what the hell is Jesse Eisenberg doing playing Lex Luthor? That is weird. Yeah, It's kind of weird. Watching it again now, recently, I haven't watched it in a while. It it just kind of hit me. It's like, yeah, modern day billionaires are totally like this. They are <laughs> quirky. They are weird. They make they you uncomfortable. Weird obsessions. Yeah. It, and I, it, it occurred to me, this guy's like Elon Musk. I mean, he, he probably goes on podcasts and gets high while he's recording with them. <laughs> so when you brought it up, I'm like, Elon Musk. And you're like, oh, yeah. So I, I, I think it's I think it was in retrospect, a pretty a pretty solid portrayal of, you know, what it would be. I, I, I enjoyed it. I liked that I mean, it wasn't just the same thing over and over again. And I mean, and. Yeah, I totally, and I think it helped that you said that because I was really like, what, what the hell is, like, why? And when you put it in kind of that context, it's actually kind of, so I don't know when BVS came out, but it's kind of actually a brilliant choice given how all of these very kind of prominent eccentric billionaires are kind of more out there with their ventures and what they're doing and so i actually think it's now when you put it in that context for me i was like oh yeah i mean i can see that that's a very interesting choice and actually quite timely in retrospect (laughs) i mean comic book movie whatever whatever i can live with it (laughs) it's supposed to be fun and shouty so yeah cool (laughs) i don't know if i'd call batman versus superman fun but (laughs) <laughs> it's it's definitely memorable. I mean, just putting it out there for the podcast audience prior to watching Batman versus Superman, the most I had watched of this movie, which actually it's kind of a lie because I'd seen some of it on TV. But prior to that, <laughs> prior to that, I'd just gone to YouTube and YouTubed all of the Wonder Woman scenes in the movie and watched those. And then I didn't really care about the rest of it. <laughs> so you can see why Adrian was like, oh, my God, I don't know this girl. Please get her out of here. <laughs> you know, it's I have a really difficult relationship with this movie because, I mean, I remember when it you know, it was like right before it came out, I was like over the moon. I was like Star Wars level movie mm-hmm. with this one. It's like, oh my God, like full disclosure. I've been a Batflick supporter since day one. When they announced Ben Affleck was Batman, I was like, holy crap, this is, 
I think gonna be pretty cool. Then we yeah. got that first image of him as Batman. Like that's gonna be really cool. Then we got that first trailer. Like holy crap, this is amazing. <laughs> so we got a Ben Affleck Batman who looks freaking incredible going up against Superman in a movie. I have to say. Ben Affleck did not really click as Batman for me until Justice League, and I will probably get, like, tomatoes pelted at me (laughs) for that, maybe. I don't know. But I didn't really appreciate him as this kind of, like, grizzled old Batman until until I watched Justice League. And then putting that in context, I'm like, okay, yeah, like, I like, I can dig it. Um, Because I was definitely not on the Batman Ben Affleck train um at first so but as we got into wonder woman and he was kind of like the old grumpy one i was like okay now now i see it i like this like (laughs) you know the 20 year veteran who's like oh my god these kids you know (laughs) yeah honestly i i think uh i think ben affleck brings a very nice vulnerability to bruce wayne interesting It's, it's a vulnerability that stems from that you know that veteran outlook he has at that that point in the in the in the film in justice league particularly when he brings that up you're calling him the grizzled old man you know you know christian bale batman had a was vulnerable too but not in the same way each batman actor brings something brings mm-hmm. something to it I, I ben affleck batman i think is great he has just not been utilized in the best way or he has not gotten like a good movie and are they are they doing it? Is he, he, is he done now? What's, I mean, I know there's like the Batman movie, which is coming out with Robert Pattinson, but he was done, but now it turns out he's coming back for the flash movie, oh. which if you've read the flashpoint comic, oof, no, but did That's I going to be another good one? Did they make, did they have an animated version of that? I think I might've yes. watched the animated one. I watched some of the animated movies at one point because you were like, Cat, watch these. And they like put a bunch of them on sci-fi at one point. And I was like, okay. And I did, but I can't remember if that was one of them. Anyway, aside. Uh (laughs) (laughs) I I think the casting for these films are pretty legit. I think the characterizations are pretty legit. It's just these stories that they're given to play out are not are not are not doing it. Batman vs. Superman, I think, starts off pretty strongly. I think yes. like the first half of the film is pretty legit. But then once you start thinking about Lex Luthor's actual plan, it starts <laughs> falling apart quickly. Um, like Wonder so Woman did not need to be in this film. Sorry. I know. I mean, you're not wrong, but like, I still liked her being there. So, but I, but see, personally, like, I mean, you're not wrong. Like, really, you could cut out Wonder Woman. You're right. And it wouldn't really change the overall story, except for her saving Batman's life. But anyway. Which um, could have been Superman. Like, hey, man, he tried to kill were, me five minutes wow. ago, but here I'm saving you now. Hmm. Mm-hmm. That, and that hmm. might have been thematically more poignant uh-huh. than Wonder Woman. But anyway, I did like, on that note, I did like that they planted the seeds for the Justice League that way, you know, like Bruce having the files and um with the like with the superhero that. logos that Lex Luthor apparently Yeah, designed. I know very convenient that Lex Luthor, you know, came up. Yeah, a lot of little <laughs> there's a lot of little things like that that just kind of <laughs> I mean, I'm not I I'm, I'm not saying it's not on the nose, but like cuz that definitely was. And you're like, okay, so they just yeah, but I kind of like having that little the little the little thread of continuity right there running through it. Yes, it probably would have been thematically more cohesive. They actually hadn't had that in there, and it was actually Batman versus Superman, not Batman versus Superman plus Wonder Woman versus mutant Kryptonian monster. <laughs> yeah, there's like there's like four movies mishmashed into one. in together. Yeah, but I mean, I, they should have. I think Wonder Woman could have been in this movie and you could have had that Justice League set up had they done something more like what they did with Spider-Man in Civil War. Mm, you know, like some, she something brought in to... She is brought into it somehow, you know, instead of just being yeah. on the side mission. Yeah. That just kind of... Okay, here's, a, here's, here's an email with the photo. <laughs> and then she just kind of decides because she happens to catch the CNN broadcast on the plane, you know? I yeah, mean, yeah. 
the the whole Batman vs Superman script is it relies on conveniences and little coincidences. You know, it's very like very much Martha. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the freaking Martha thing! It I know what they're trying to do uh, thematically. Yeah. It's fantastic what they're yes. trying to do, but the execution is lacking. Right? It's like they have this shared, you know, their mother. There's this kind of shared sense of loss slash desperation, you know, on Clark's part to save his mother and Bruce having lost his mother. Yes, like emotionally and thematically, like it's like it was so close and then just kind of like, like the the execution was like ketchup on a, you know, ketchup on a steak. (laughs) (laughs) You You know, what's funny, too. During this last rewatch, right before the whole Martha bit, when he's dragging Superman over to the ro- pile of rubble, mm-hmm. he's talking about his parents. You know, I bet your parents told you you were sent here for a reason. You know, he's talking. He's like, he's acknowledging that Superman was raised by by parents. I mean, yeah, he has the yeah. parents in mind. Mm-hmm. He's acknowledging the parents right now. Then a minute from now, he's all stunned that you know he has a mom that's in trouble. <laughs> Which, I mean, c- come on, Clark should have just, Clark didn't have to push him to start the battle. He could have he just lifted him up into the air and told him, hey, my mom is in trouble. I need your help. Like Luthor did this whole thing. Commute- but they're men, Adrian. Men don't talk. They fight to the death because. They're men that rawr. love their moms. Yeah. Push him. Step. On- You're Superman. Step on him. Like, hey, dude, listen. My mom is in trouble. Seriously. Like, I mean, yeah, you're freaking Superman. Like, like that, that I, I, I hate, I, I hate this, I hate that that in movies. You don't understand. Wait, hold on. What don't I have I to understand? tell you something? <laughs> that kind of dialogue, that forced tension, that forced drama. Ugh, it's, oh, it's, I know, but it's like, I don't so like that in any right? movies, and it's exceptionally bad in Batman vs. Superman. Yeah. <laughs> And I have I have this discussion with my sister often. She's also very much into into DC. She 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 really likes Justice League a lot more than Batman vs Superman. But for me, Justice League has nothing going for it thematically. <laughs> I, I think Justice League Justice League I think is the worst type of filmmaking that's going on nowadays. <laughs> it's interesting that your sister likes Justice League more than Batman vs Superman because I can kind of see where I agree with her. And maybe it's not for the same reasons, but like I definitely there are things I like about Justice League that I like a lot more than Batman versus Superman. So I've realized that as as long as there's something I can chew on thematically, even if it's butchered, I'll appreciate the effort, I guess, for lack of a better phrasing. (laughs) Whereas Justice League, uh, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to make a comparison here, right? Okay, go. Yeah. You got Justice League and then you got Solo. Two (laughs) films that switched directors at some point in production and Mm -hmm. got some overhauls as a result. Yes. Justice League went about it in a way with Joss Whedon to just get a movie out. Just we have to get this movie out. Just do what you have to do. And you got this weird Frankenstein of a movie as a result. Solo (laughs) was actual creative differences. Zack Snyder suffered a horrible family tragedy. The movie should have been put on hold, but they brought in Joss Whedon to just kind of patch it up. Here's our here's our movie. Use some random frog DNA to fill in the gaps. <laughs> the fact that there's four hours worth of material from Zack Snyder's shoot. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. That that is insane. Whedon just came in and and added some new stuff that it it didn't it didn't blend well with the existing film at all. It became <laughs> mm. watching it. It was a game of spot the reshoot. Oh, that's interesting. So I don't, and I had forgotten that, and I should have done my homework before the podcast, but real life, yo, it's still busy, even with a pandemic. Um, I did not, and I forgot that that was the reason why, like, because I was thinking about, I was like, why did Snyder, like, what happened? Like, I couldn't remember what happened. Now that you bring that up, I'm like, oh, yes, okay, I remember that now. And you're right, like, I, if they, yeah, why the hell didn't they just wait? Um. <laughs> I mean, you got I, a freaking CG lip on uh, Henry Cavill, you know? I mean, that's, 
that could have all been avoided, but they just had to get the movie out. They just had to compete, try and compete, rushing it with to compete with Marvel. You know, it's the only thing that matters, Adrian. You know, and you got these scenes where it's just, you know, Batman suddenly is making a joke and he's gained like a couple pounds and his hair is different. And then it cuts back to the Snyder footage. <laughs> okay, you have a much better eye for that. Like, I would probably have watch, to watch. It's watch the be- watch the Aquaman scene where he's talking with Aquaman in the in the village. Okay, yeah. Watch, watch that closely and, and have, keep a close eye on Ben Affleck. Okay. I mean, so I was watching it for the first time because I literally, like, Justice League, I had seen pretty much nothing. So, I, you know, I was watching it closely in the sense that I was, like, trying to make sure I got all the dialogue and, um, you know, <laughs> understanding the plot for what that was, which was a little still, like, okay. The plot. Um, <laughs> the plot, yeah, quote unquote. Um... So, <laughs> so I I was not as sensitive to those changes. Maybe going back now again, like if I were to rewatch it again, which I'm probably not going to do for some amount of time. But the next time I do, um, I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> I mean, you know, I am so very curious to see the Snyder cut that's coming out. Just because I want to see how different the plot itself actually is. It's good. It's four hours, apparently. So, okay. Oh, my God. That's a lot more plot, at least. Right? Because in Justice League, Stephen Wolf just kind of comes off as this weird pointy guy with a weird Oedipus-type complex. He's just saying mother the whole time. <laughs> mother. Yes. Collecting these these boxes that are, you know, these vague, generic, Tesseract-type boxes. Yes. It's, it's just, it was just a very cold, very generic, Here, here's your villain. Bada boom, bada bing. You know, you, you ask for steak sauce for your steak. Here's a bottle of ketchup. <laughs> I mean, no, you're probably right. I liked that they made that movie more colorful, just kind of in general. It felt more vibrant than Man of Steel or BVS. That's Joss Whedon. <laughs> I know, I know. It's like that, I can tell, to be like, as much as I enjoyed Man of Steel and BVS, God, it's they're so drab. Both of them are so drab. There's like, even like Superman, who's got this red cape, and you know, it's just, it's so, it's so drab. The color palette is just, ugh, it's leached of any joy. <laughs> Justice League, you you liked it. It's colorful. It, it's fun. That's basically, I think, anybody can say about it. It's it's there's, fun. There's some good lines. Um, I thought Steppenwolf was not a very interesting villain. Like, he's very cardboard cut out. Ketchup bottle. Ketchup bottle, yeah. There's not a lot of depth there. Not a lot of flavor. I thought there were some funny moments in Justice League. I mean, I messaged you about it. Um, there were definitely a couple of lines where I was like, oh, yeah, that's that's good. That's good. And I thought that the cast of characters was good. Like I said, I liked the, earlier in the podcast. I like kind of like the grizzled old man bat. I liked both the Flash and Cyborg. Like they're... <laughs> I, I like the I like the actors. It was nice to kind of have that, you know, young blood or whatever you want to call it. Um, I liked angry undead Superman. That was that was fun. And I particularly in that scene, I liked him and Wonder Woman going toe to toe because like, damn, like he headbutts her and she basically just like doesn't move at all. And it's like you've kind of got these like two immovable objects. You know, she's the daughter of a god, a literal god, and he's the equivalent of a god on Earth. And, it, you know, and so I, I liked that. Like, I liked that that scene and that fight. Also, another highlight, and this is for both BVS and um, Justice League, but I really liked jeremy irons is alfred yes and yes yes I, yes yes, yes, I, yes the thing that cracked me up the most was that like in this version of 
of this universe of Alfred. You know, not only is he kind of like over Batman shit just in general because <laughs> they, you know, he's worked for Bruce for so long, but I like how at this point he's like more lamenting about like Bruce, you know, being the last Wayne and like there's not going to be any more and like Bruce, no you know, like get your, get your shit together <laughs> and like find a woman to settle down with and like, <laughs> and I, you know, <laughs> I, I loved that, that kind of like undertone <laughs> of Alfred just being like, yeah, <laughs> Jeremy Irons, Alfred is probably one of my top three favorite things about the DCU flicks. So that was definitely like one casting. Yes. Two, just like his lines in general. Like I would, ch- I would chuckle every time he would be like in the background being like, mm-hmm, mm, yeah. And then like some snide comment. <laughs> Yes, I love it. It's hilarious. It all all goes back to the characterization, like the personalities they're given and the casting. They make what works in these movies work great. (laughs) But yes, Jeremy Irons is, he's just fantastic in everything he does. He's a phenomenal actor. Yes, he is. Yeah. I feel like we're forgetting a movie. Aquaman, Wonder Woman, um, which are the only other two I've seen. Uh, And I know you don't like Aquaman. So we don't really have to talk about it. I thought it was just kind of a fun. I mean, again, like it was just kind of a fun superhero romp. Like, you know, I didn't love it, but I thought it I thought it was fun enough because it kind of leans into that goofiness. Like, it, I don't think it takes itself too seriously, which is the other thing about like, you know, Man of Steel and BBS. And maybe that's just kind of and maybe to some extent Justice League, that's maybe kind of like the site, the Snyder mindset. Like, I feel like they're, you know, taking themselves very seriously. And Aquaman is definitely not taking itself seriously. <laughs> um, And so, like, I enjoyed that for what it was, just like a popcorn. Like, I'm glad I didn't pay money to see it in the theater. But... Um, you know, for for a for a popcorn, you know, superhero action flick, like yeah, it was a fun way to spend a couple of hours in an evening, and I enjoyed it. If you say so, <laughs> I know you're not. <laughs> you're like not on the Aquaman train at all, um, at all, and it has nothing to do with my <laughs> indifference for Jason Momoa or or the character. <laughs> My biggest thing, and I, I mean, I, I like fun movies. Aquaman was too long, but what really just got me, I mean, this is what killed it for me, is the dialogue throughout the film. All, we get all these characters that sound the same and have the same personality, and they're just grandstanding and having these long and, you know, overworded monologues about power or ruling or... <laughs> Like, they all sound the same, and they all just, like, who are you talking to? Have you never talked to another person before? <laughs> you get you get a phenomenal actor Hilarious. like Willem Dafoe. Yeah. And you it was nice to see him, him in that. Yes, he's one of my favorite actors, but then you make him say this stuff. He can write this shit, but he can't say it, George. I mean, come on. <laughs> And then you were going to talk about Wonder Woman. So we're glossing over Aquaman because nobody really cares. Um, I mean, Shazam is cool. Shazam is really fun. Yeah, I haven't seen that. I'll watch it eventually. You'll like Shazam. With with Birds of Prey. Yeah. Skip Suicide Squad. Watch Shazam and B.O.P. But we're going to move on. Wonder Woman. The the, the reason we're we're recording uh, on the DCEU tonight Really, really loved it the first time in theaters. Watched it again recently, right before we started recording. And it's wonkier than I remember. (laughs) You know, I really, I watch the one scene over and over again. And I honestly don't rewatch the whole movie all that much. No Man's Land? Yeah. It's all about No Man's Land. It's all about No Man's Land. And, um, yeah. Because I do. That scene pumps me up. Like that scene as a woman in the theater made me cry. That's what that scene did for me. So that scene is like, yes, that's like a pump me up. Like whenever I have something hard to tackle, it's like watch that scene and then like hit it because you got it. You know, that scene is everything. (laughs) 
everything. <laughs> the rest of the movie, meh. <laughs> I don't really care. <laughs> it's all for that like four minute scene. <laughs> I like the World War One movie that's in that movie. But that's hidden in there. So I will be honest, I did not go back and rewatch Wonder Woman um, for this. And part of that is because of that. Like, I have a lot of emotional attachment to the movie. It came out on my birthday weekend, whatever year that was. And I <laughs> part of me doesn't want to go back and like rewatch the movie too much because I'm afraid like it won't hold up. <laughs> to that kind of like that moment in time. And it probably won't. <laughs> um, so like you're saying, because it is a little wonky. And like, when I think about it, it's like, yeah, okay. Like maybe. So I don't really want to like go back to that and be like, Oh God. <laughs> I mean, this movie that I love is. <laughs> probably should watch it again before 84 comes out. Oh, should I? kind of feels that there's going to be some throwbacks oh okay i mean those three minutes that just came out today too that's true <laughs> to her life on the island so the, my wonkiness with wonder woman this time around yes. it's, it's a great film i really enjoy it but uh, again there is a bit of a the movie itself like the actual story doesn't start until like 30 or 40 minutes into the f film yeah yeah, you're not you're not wrong. That 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 kind of irked me this time around. It's like, <laughs> like, and again, the same issue with Aquaman, or uh, just so we're playing fair here, the same thing with the Thor movies, and the same thing with the Mandalorian. People don't talk that way. It is it is very much. It's like people get these people write the the scriptwriters write this old fashioned style dialogue, right? Because you know they're they're Greek legends or whatever, right? Norse mm -hmm. gods, so they write a certain way. But it's like they don't know how to write it and or the or the actors don't know how to deliver it something. It's always very stilted. And again, they all sound the same. You got Themyscira, this, you know, Paradise Island. Pick out a specific Amazonian person to me. They all look and talk the same. There's no personality. There's no world building on the island. At one point, uh, Deanna calls one of them a senator. I'm like, senator of what? <laughs> That's actually... Fair point. You know what well, I mean? There's, but, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff like that that isn't explored. And if we're going to spend 40 minutes exploring life on this island, you know, give give us some world building. All right. That's that's fair. Um, I don't I guess my Greek and ancient history is very rusty. So, I mean, like, I know they had senators in Greece and Rome. Were they really like the senators of today? I mean, has that changed? Like, maybe they are. I don't know. Maybe that is supposed to be different. That that's but a fair point too. Uh, what my I, classical I education is clearly lacking. Yeah, I want to know what's going on in this political body. And for the love of God, stop talking that way. Yeah, stop talking that way. <laughs> the one time, the the one example that I like, where I think that old style way of talking works, or they made it work, was in Thor three, Ragnarok. Taika, okay. Taika was able to make that formal weird old fashioned speech sound conversational to me. Hmm. So it's, it's not, it's not just like, I don't, it's not just that I don't like that when movies do it. I just think it's usually very stilted. I think you just have a personal vendetta, Adrian. No. <laughs> uh, we'll see you as a personal vendetta when we talk about the Mandalorian next week. huh? <laughs> I have no personal vendettas. I told you I was over it. Um, I have the screen caps, Cat Ray. <laughs> Lives forever in digital. Well, all right. <laughs> so I guess I need to go back and rewatch Wonder Woman. Um, I mean, I think I do think you have a fair point, um, especially about the beginning of the movie. Okay. Yeah, once the story it. starts, it's pretty legit. I mean, love it. The World War One story is just like, yeah, that's yes. cool. But again, I mean, it's, you know, I wonder if it's, you know, kind of potentially, you know, just that, you know, the whole origin story, da 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 da, da. I mean, the whole movie is technically an origin story, I guess. But, you know, you've even got that, like. Yeah, I mean, I understand all these type of origin movies are going to have some form of exposition, you know, spread throughout it. 
I, I just don't like how it's 40 minutes of exposition that doesn't tie in directly to the story. I guess when I saw it initially, like that, that didn't really hit me. But I mean, I rewatched it at least once. Um, although I think that was when the Blu-ray came out. So even then it's been, it's been a while. So my thoughts would probably change if I had rewatched it prior to this you know, podcast episode, which I did not. You know, your, your thoughts on the Man of Steel? Yes. And the nonlinear storytelling there? That probably, Wonder Woman would have probably benefit, benefited greatly. Mm, from having more of that. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. <laughs> Zack Snyder it up a little. <laughs> Zack Snyder it up. We love you. Well, um, pa- Patty Jenkins really likes her slow-mo too. That's oh, very yeah. Yeah. Snydery. Yeah. I mean, yes, like I love Patty Jenkins and we really need to have like a news episode to talk about the fact that she's going to be directing a Star Wars movie. But I think I was laughing about the like, oh, hold on. You know, we're going to get a bunch of slow-mo. <laughs> slow-mo in space. Um, So, yeah. <laughs> but I love you, Patty. I love you. I do. <laughs> but yeah, looking forward to Wonder Woman 84. Me too. Anyway. So let's wrap it up. Adrian, now that we've had this very illuminating conversation about DC movies, where can people find us to chat if they so desire? And the good people can find us on Twitter and Instagram at BrainSlugPod and our website, BlueLabPro.com slash BrainSlug. Uh, if you want to connect with me and yell at me over my DC thoughts about Zack Snyder or, or Justice League, uh, these are all hot button hot button topics. <laughs> or if you don't like that, I think Wonder Woman is just an okay movie after watching it again. <laughs> <laughs> Blasphemy, yes. I like the movie. I think it's great, but it's just okay. You can do so on Instagram at Blue Lab Pro. Uh, you can find me having not particularly strong opinions about the DC movies on Twitter and Instagram at CatRay. So, uh, we'll be back next week with our big Mandalorian finale episode. We're planning, trying to plan something big for that. So keep an eye and ear out for that. So until then, later. Bye guys. From Blue Lab Productions, thanks for listening to the Brain Slug Podcast. Edited and produced by Adrian Mesa with original music composed by Felipe Rosales. And original art by Mitsu Overstreet. Please rate and review our show on Apple Podcast, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. All rights reserved.